Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Move on, and we're going to get in the Word of the Lord. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read from three passages of Scripture. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, then we'll read from Luke 5, and then Mark 14. But we'll begin in Numbers 13, and beginning at verse number 23. We are so glad today to have Pastor Wasson with us all the way from Hawaii. Man, we love and appreciate him so very much such a tremendous man of God. We love and appreciate him. Amen. Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 23. Amen. We're going to read uh, quite a few passages of scripture today. Amen. And they came unto the brook of Eschol and cut down from thence a branch of one, with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs, and the place was called the brook of Eschol. Because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went, and it came to Moses, and came to Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we came unto the land whither thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Isn't it funny? God said, go check out the land and they had to come back talking about the people. Amen. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched. Remember, doubt is evil in the sight of God. Unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are great, are, are men of great stature. And we saw... Uh, the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, they were, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we they in their sight. Amen. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 4. Amen. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught. And Simon answered unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Here's that word again. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, 
when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Jump with me to Mark 14 and 35. We're going to find another familiar word here from our other two passages of Scripture, verse 35. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Here's that word. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thy, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and said unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. Amen. You'll notice that they, through these three totally different stories, we find a common word that is used three times. Nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. Amen. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach to somebody's faith, maybe to somebody in discouragement, somebody in the valley of, the deci of decision. And I want to preach to you on the power of nevertheless. The power of nevertheless. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that we feel in this place, for your presence. Lord, I thank you how there's been so much freedom and so much liberty to worship. Would you anoint these lips of clay to preach as the oracle of heaven? Oh God, and would you anoint every person to hear and to respond because we want to leave here different than the way that we've come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. And would you just clap your hands to the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe God's going to do something in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Look at somebody and tell them the power of nevertheless. Amen. In the English vocabulary, there are a handful of words that can singularly change the entire context of a sentence, a conversation, and even the outcome of an entire situation. One that comes to my mind is I remember uh, being a student in high school and and uh, going through that age where I had a little bit of a smart mouth sometimes. And I responded to my English teacher's uh, question that she was teaching on. And, and I answered with one word. I went, so? Her ensuing wrath informed me that in all of the English grammar, few words had the ability to demonstrate laziness, ineptitude, or complete lack of respect more than that one word, so. And I remember writing, I think, over 200 sentences about not using the word so in such a disparaging way. In our, in our text this morning, a man, a single word has changed in a multitude of ways, entire dialogue entire situations and have even changed an entire world by the power of one simple word, nevertheless. Everybody shout, nevertheless. nevertheless. In the Old Testament, the original Hebrew means, strangely enough, a ceasing, an end, and a finality. That's what it means in the Hebrew. 
In the New Testament Greek, Luke's writing the word nevertheless is used. And I'm going to give you that Greek definition. And this quote, I quote from Thayer's Greek lexicon. He says, uh, after negative sentences, and it serves to mark a transition to something new. In Mark's writing, however, nevertheless is used as an opposition to concession. In other words, it resists surrender. That simply means although the speaker does not want to yield or concede to the circumstance, they have submitted their own will through the power of nonetheless. Amen. And finally, from the American Heritage Dictionary, fourth edition, in today's English grammar, the word simply means, quote, in spite of all that. When you say nevertheless, it means in spite of all that. I want, what I want to do this morning is to point out to both as individuals and as a church body, the power and the strength that lies in the simple word, nevertheless. You don't have to engage in a dialogue with hell. Sometimes you need to give hell a nevertheless. A nevertheless. Amen. Nevertheless has the power to change things, both from a negative to a positive and even from a positive to a negative. In our story in Numbers chapter 13, nevertheless changes a positive to a negative. The following, uh, following the story of the 12 spies, you'll discover that to a man, every one of them experienced the wonder of Canaan just as Moses said that it was going to be when he heard from God. All 12 of them stepped into the beauty of the land that God promised them. All 12 of them saw the grapes and they saw the rivers and they they saw the homes. Amen. Uh, all of them experienced the wonder of what their future would be. It wasn't just Joshua and Caleb that pulled down a bunch of grapes. It wasn't just Joshua and, and Caleb that ate the fruit of the land until juice was, was dripping off their chin. However, it was 10 of the spies that had a nevertheless in their attitude. And their attitude with nevertheless would change the trajectory of an entire nation. They're nevertheless from seeing the affirmations of what God wanted to do in the life of Israel. It was there nevertheless that sent Israel into a tailspin to wander 40 years in a desert just in the shadows of the walls of Jericho. They witnessed God's promises but could not trust God's protection. Let me say that again. They witnessed God's promises, but they could not trust God for his protection. God did not lead them to this point to just leave them wishing, if only, if only, if only. But 85% of the spies used the power of nonetheless to change a positive of we saw into the negative of we can't. 85% of the spies came back seeing that everything God said was true. 85% come back having held in their hands the tangible blessings and promise of God. And it was their nevertheless that changed the entire attitude of a nation. Their attitude was simply this. Yes, there's plenty of promise in the land that we spied out. Yes, there's plenty of blessings in the land that God sent us to. Amen. 
But in spite of all of that, there are giants there and the opposition is too great. It was this nevertheless that became an end, a ceasing and a finality because it stopped what God wanted to do in Israel. I want to tell you the Bible says that the power of life and of death is in the tongue and we have got to be careful. I know it's a Sunday morning. I'm going to give you some good Tuesday night teaching. We got to be careful about what our mouth says into a situation because our nevertheless has the ability to take God's blessings and curse them. Amen. We've got to speak life. We've got to speak the things of God and declare them with affirmation. Nevertheless. Somebody shout nevertheless. Amen. Yes, your boss is a jerk, but nevertheless. Yes, you're having problems in your family, but yes, you could use a raise, but yeah, it's hard to get along with your co-workers, but if God promised it to you, then you need to have a nevertheless that doesn't take away the blessings of God, but a nevertheless that affirms the Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I've seen more miracles that have been lost because of a nevertheless. I've seen more miracles been squandered because of a nevertheless. I've seen revivals squashed in churches because of a nevertheless spirit. Amen. But I'm telling you that we've got to take a negative and spin it to a positive based on God's word. Somebody shout, nevertheless. Someone once said that it takes both a negative and a positive to start a vehicle. Amen. That may be so, but give me a positive charge to start the week. I was talking to somebody uh, recently, and I'm trying to remember uh, who it was. And uh, they said to me, they said about... Three months ago, God was getting a hold of their heart, and that's a prodigal that a prodigal that is coming back home to one of our campuses, and God was getting a hold of their heart, and uh, they said I started giving up things, and boy, I, I love to hear the sound of that when a when a prodigal says I'm giving up some things. Amen. I I, I started giving up some things, and, and said the first thing I gave up was politics. Said I unloaded the news apps I had loaded up. I started unfollowing news personalities that I was following on social media. Said I hadn't read not one piece of news in over three months. And the person said, my outlook on life is better than it's ever been. Amen. Quit waking up to the bad, nevertheless. Every morning you get a nevertheless from Facebook, you get a nevertheless from Twitter, you get a nevertheless from the dingbats at MSNBC and their counterpart dingbats on Fox. Amen. You need to wake up to the goodness of God found in the Bible. You need to wake up to the promises of God that are yay and amen. Amen. 
That's a media's job. That's, let me just pause. This ain't in my notes. Amen. This is free and won't cost you anything. Amen. The media's job, both right and left, middle and different, is to get you hooked to their version of the stories of events. Amen. Uh, people say, we never heard so much bad news. And I hear older people say, never heard so much bad news in all our life. You're right. Amen. Because even when I was a kid, you only got the news twice a day, from 5 to 6 a.m. and from 5 to 6 p.m. Amen. It was everything else in between. But now it consumes us. There's whole media empires built about how to tell you how bad things are over here and how bad things are over there and they're going to get you over here and they're going, if you're not careful you'll adapt the attitude of the 85% of the spies that said yes it's everything God said it would be but it's too strong for us oh I'm going to preach in the Holy Ghost right now I know people are getting out of California like rats off a sinking ship but I'm telling you God promised California one of the greatest revivals this world will ever see I'm going to be a part of the 15% that says, nevertheless, my God is able. Yeah, the economy's bad. Yeah, the politics are rotten. But guess what? God's still in control. Nevertheless, who's in Sacramento? Nevertheless, who's in San Francisco? God has promised revival. Somebody shout, nevertheless. Hey, man, you got to wake up in the morning and put the word of God in your heart. I said, wake up in the morning and put the word of God in your heart. I challenge you on our midweek, amen. You hadn't been a part of our Bible study series the last umpteen weeks. I don't even know how long I've been teaching it. Um, I think somebody said it been nine or 10 or 11 weeks or something like that. And uh, I'd love to share my notes with you, but I've only got one post-it note for all these weeks. And my only mission in this Bible study series and knowing the will of God is, is to get you to fall in love with God's word, get you to read God's word, get you believing God's word, get you trusting God's word, getting your eyes off the headlines and putting your eyes to the heels, getting your eyes off of what man says is the issue and putting our attention on what God says the church is here for. I think this past midweek I challenged you to start reading amen on top of your daily reading to wake up and read a chapter of Proverbs every day amen and if you've done that you've already noticed amen a significant difference in the outlook of your day when you open up your day in the word of God amen I'm not waking up to see what you know some blue blood limey over in England is doing amen with his scepter and his crown coronating and all that I could care, I care less about all that stuff you know we whipped them in 1776 hadn't paid attention since then amen <laughs> amen I'm paying attention to the king of kings not to a powerless king not to a king that has no teeth. Not to a king who is there in name only. A kingdom that is a shadow of what it used to be. But I am looking to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and his kingdom to which there shall be no end. A kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace. Amen. Praise God. You say, well, pastor, yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to, you know, crack jokes about the British. Well, my British friends know I do, and believe me, they return the favor all the time. 
Amen. They're still, they're still confused on what a biscuit is too. We got to help them people out. Praise God. They think a biscuit's a cracker. They, you got to tell them, no, no, you take sausage gravy and you pour it over a biscuit. You don't dip a biscuit. Amen. That's called a cookie. Praise God. Amen. But in, in Luke's recording of the miracle of loaves and fishes, we experience again the power of nevertheless that begins to change a negative attitude into a positive attitude. Boy, I can I, I don't, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wear this out today. You've got to get disconnected with negative people with stinking thinking. You say, but pastor, if, if I don't, then, then they, you know, what if, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked with them. I may have to get Pastor Watson up here to clean up what I'm about to say right now. But just because they go to church don't mean you're equally yoked. Just because they read a Bible and they go to church somewhere doesn't mean they're equally yoked. I've seen as many unbelievers participating in church than you do unbelievers outside the church. And what do I mean by that? They believe certain parts of the Bible, but over here they're not going to believe that part. People with negative attitudes and pessimistic attitudes and attitudes always trying to tear you down and your faith down and your walk with God down. Isn't it amazing the amount of people when you commit to serve God start telling you how unnecessary that stuff is. Oh, that's not necessary. You don't have to go to church and do that. I mean, the person last week that was smoking on a crack pipe now all of a sudden is a theologian telling you what it takes and what it doesn't take. Hey, here's what you do. You get in the word of God. You get in the church of the living God. You get connected connected to the family of God and let people that are filled with faith and a positive nevertheless speak into your life. Amen. Amen. It was, it was at the loaves and the fishes that never la- the nevertheless changed the, the negative into a positive. Uh, Simon Peter, uh, when we read in our text, amen, uh, 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 of the miracle of the fishes in the net, it, it was there. Simon Peter did not want to cast his nets out again. He had just spent the morning cleaning those nets. He was a fisherman by trade. He'd been doing it his whole life. And, and he knew better than some rabbi standing on the shoreline. He knew better. Amen. The time of day to fish and where the fish would be. He was a fisherman. His own expertise had told him that there was no reason to unroll and unfold the nets and throw them back in the waters that he had just got out of. Amen. He even went as far as to inform the Lord Jesus. We've already tried that. How many times have have you done that? Well, I've already tried that. I don't want any men looking around. But how many of you men have asked your wife, "Uh, honey, where's this at? Specifically the refrigerator. I can stand in front of that thing five minutes. Babe, where's where's the shredded cheese at? It's It's in the drawer. I could probably take a trip First class trip to Hawaii if I got all the money back from PG&E that I lost holding the doors open looking for stuff. What, what drawer? The, with the drawer right in front of your face. 
and with great consternation and defeat, close the doors and go, it's not in there. Only to have her get up, walk into the kitchen, open the door and go, it's right there. Nevertheless, how many times have you tried to do something and failed and were about to give up, but you tried it one more time? They attribute that it's Einstein that said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting different results. We don't fully know if it was him that said that or not. But I would like to counter that. How else are you going to get something working? Unless you just keep doing what you know is right. Sometimes living for God is doing what's right even when you don't see results from it. Matter of fact, a good portion of your Christian journey is going to be living for God and being faithful to God, not getting every whim and want that you desire, amen, that, that, that has been propagated by secular Christianity. There's going to be months you're going to go to church and you still got pain in your back. There might be years you attend the church believing for a loved one to be saved and you don't see them being saved. You don't walk out on God and say it didn't work. You just keep doing it over and over and over again. Again, because it's right, because he said it. I may not see my healing, but nevertheless, I don't see them beside me in church, but nevertheless, I'll hold on to the promise of God. Somebody shout, nevertheless. He said, we've already tried that. However, Simon Peter used the power of nevertheless to change a negative into a positive. You see, Simon had tasted a man of futility but trusted in the faithfulness of the master. Once again, the power of nevertheless had done what it has the ability to do. Look at what he said. He said, Lord, we've worked these same waters all night long and we haven't caught the First thing, but in spite of all of that, but in spite of what I'm facing, I want you to know nevertheless, it was this nevertheless in that Greek form that served to mark a transition to something new. It was here that Jesus called his disciples to go from being fishermen to being fishers of men. It was the power of their nevertheless. Even though I tried it before, even though I've prayed it before, even though I believed it before and I don't see it now I've got to get a nevertheless in my spirit that says I'm going to keep on serving God I'm going to keep on believing I'm going to keep on praying somebody shout nevertheless look at your neighbor and tell him I believe that come on tell him I believe that there's power and nevertheless, we got to get a nevertheless in us that says, come hell or high water. Nevertheless, I made up my mind a long time ago. You can either serve Jesus with me or without me. Nevertheless, I'm going on. 
I'm going on. It was a long, hard road as a young man when I got when I got into the church and I dedicated my life to God. Since that time, tragically, there have been many of my friends that have fallen away and they have went by the wayside and they have given up on living for God and they have turned into the paths of sin and unrighteousness. Amen, but I had to make up my mind a long time ago. Nevertheless, I'm gonna keep on serving Jesus. I've watched friends, I hope you hear me this morning. I've watched dear friends and family members leave the church because they got offended. But I had to say, nevertheless, I watched them walk away from God because somebody in the church heard them. But I had to say, nevertheless, I seen them get bitter at God because he didn't answer their prayer when they thought he should answer their prayer. But you gotta get a nevertheless attitude. If God never touches me again, if God never blesses me again if God never does anything for me again nevertheless I will serve you nevertheless I will follow after you it's the power of nevertheless and finally the story that we read in Mark 14 tells us how the power of nevertheless was about to change an entire world you see, friend, Jesus Christ, amen, he was not just a historical revolutionary, not just some religious figure, not some, not some fictitious statue or image nailed to a cross. He was God made manifest in the flesh. He knew what awaited him in the remaining hours of his life on earth. And his human nature did not want to acquiesce and surrender to what was going to happen to him. I've heard people say that Jesus didn't know what was going to happen to him. Just knew, oh, he knew what was going to happen to him. And he prayed. You see, he understood that the pain, the emptiness, the agony that he faced. He knew what was going to happen to him in just a few hours as they would beat him until his back lay open and ribbons of flesh hung from his side to be spit on, to be mocked, to be cruelly made fun of, spear through his side, nails in his hands and his feet. He knew all of this, and yet he knelt in the garden that night. My Bible tells me that in Hebrews chapter 12 and 2, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Let me say that again. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You see, we've got to get this kind of revelation in living for God. We think that if we have pain, God must be mad at us. We think that if we have sorrow or troubles or trials or sickness, 
that God is somehow against us. But we've got to understand in this life there is sorrow. In this life there is pain. In this life there is trouble. However, for the joy that is set before us, amen, we can endure whatever it is that life comes may bring our way or whatever the enemy of our soul may bring our way. We have got to have a joy set before us, amen. And you can define that joy in one of a myriad of ways, amen. The joy of knowing God, the joy of serving God, the joy of having my sins forgiven and washed in the waters of baptism, the joy of being infilled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, the joy of knowing I have fellowship with the Lord and I have fellowship with his saints, the joy of knowing that this life is not the end of the matter, but there is an eternity that I get to spend with God and it is the joy that is set before me. I can endure anything as long as I understand my joy. I remember when uh, we were expecting Addison and, uh, and we were pregnant when my wife was pregnant. I don't know why we say we, you know, as if I had some kind of a hand in it. You know, she, she had the baby, not me. But um, we had to go to birthing classes. You know, in case, you know, maybe if you didn't go, you know, they wouldn't give you your baby or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't belittle it because I'm going to tell you, I watched my wife go through that and went, Phew. she's one bad lady. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Ain't a man in this room that'd do it. If it were up to men, if we had to do what they did, the earth would have been desolate thousands of years ago. We'd look at one of our friends giving birth and go, nope. And we went to that class and this lady walks out. And you may have heard me tell this story before. It was, it was a profound impact on my life. It, it, it was one of the most impacting things I'd experienced. Not just the birth but the classes leading up to the birth. When this lady comes walking in, as soon as she walked in, I had judged the book by its cover and I instantly wasn't going to listen to her because she come walking in like some granola munching, tree hugging hippie. And I thought, not going to listen to her. But she had had nine children. So I thought, after about two minutes after she said that, I thought, well, she's got something to say. <laughs> and come to find out, now, now, now I'm not going to tell you everything she said because especially the women will get offended at me. Because one thing she said was, we make giving birth too dramatic. I didn't say, I'll give you her name. You can go punch her yourself. <laughs> she said, we make this whole deal about so dramatic. about Now, she's had nine. She said, it is the most natural thing your body is ever going to do outside of breathing. She said, we in Western medicine have made the birthing process complicated. And she went into the history of it and all of this. And she's one of these that she recommended no pain medication because it slows down the contractions. My wife grabbed my arm. She said, uh-uh. 
We got to, my wife to the hospital. And she was in labor. They looked at her and said, now, are you going to do this natural or with drugs? And she said, give me the drugs. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and I was happy. <laughs> I even asked them, do you do anything for the father at this point? But she said something that was so profound to me. Matter of fact, I took the handout they gave us and I, I took copious notes. I mean, I wrote, at, for the three-hour class, I wrote the entire time. I wore down my pencil, my wife's pencil. I was borrowing pencils. And one of the things she said this, she said, ladies, this is a pain like you have never experienced in your life. And she said, it's unlike any pain you've experienced. She said, the broken arm you have, have experienced. She said, basically, that was a productless pain. It had no point. It only hurt because it had to be reset. When you broke your leg, it was a pointless pain. Didn't produce anything. You just had to reset it and go through the process of healing. She said, but the pain of childbirth, she said, is the worst pain. She said, but it is the only pain your body can produce that is going to give life. And she said to us, she said, when you are in that pain and you don't feel like you can push any harder or you're about to give up, just remember, if you keep pushing, if you'll get through the pain, there is going to be a life on the other side of this. Living for God is the exact same thing. There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be pain. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be all kinds of things. But it's a pain unlike any other. Because this pain is going to produce everlasting life in us. If we will but set before us the joy of our salvation. Hallelujah. I'm not serving God out of religious tradition. I'm not here this morning because somebody made me. I'm here this morning even though I may be sick in my body. I may have pain in my bones. I may have hell breaking loose on my job or in my finances. But I'm here today for the joy that is set before me. I know that if I get in his presence, nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. There was an internal crucifixion Jesus had to go through in that garden before he ever went through the external crucifixion. Far before his cheek was ever kissed by the betrayer, Judas, there had been an internal crucifixion. His human nature did not want to go through the agony of a Roman crucifixion. His human nature did not want to suffer the loss of his friends when he needed them the most. His human nature sought any other means, any other means to accomplish the will, amen, of the Father in his life. Yet because of the power of nevertheless, you and I can enjoy the presence of a holy God in this place right now. Because of the power of nevertheless, because he in the garden said nevertheless, not my will but thy will be done. You and I this morning can stand face to face 
grace, with mercy and amazing grace. Because of the power of that, nevertheless, you and I have life and life more abundantly. You see, it was a nevertheless that changed the course of humanity. I've come to encourage somebody right now. You've got a nevertheless in you that will change your world and that will change your life. Keep serving God through the sickness. Nevertheless, God is good. Keep serving God through the opposition. Nevertheless, I will see him. Keep serving God in the pain with a nevertheless. Jesus wept bitter tears of opposition to what the world truly needed. His prayer became, Father, my humanity desires any possible other way than this one. Yet, in spite of what I want, do what you want in me. And through the power of nevertheless, you and I can taste of that sweet eternal mercy and grace of a Savior that surrendered his own will for me and for you. The power of nevertheless has the ability to change everything in your life. Nevertheless, nevertheless. Some of you are looking at a crossroads right now, but you need to speak a nevertheless. Some of you are at a Y in the road, but you need to give and nevertheless, some of you are praying for intervention of God to move in a situation in your life. And you need to open your mouth today and emphatically declare with faith, nevertheless, not what I will but what you will, let it be done. The hardest thing for us to say nevertheless in this third tense is because when we fully put our life in the hands of God and we completely trust ourselves to him, then we ha no longer have any control on what the outcome is going to be. When we give that nevertheless and we put our complete trust in him, amen, when we do that, then we have no say on how any of it's going to turn out. We put our hands our life in the hand of God. The old song says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." There needs to be a trust within us this morning that says, "'Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done.'" You need to let your nevertheless change your situation from a negative into a positive. You you need to let your nevertheless change your situation to where you're from where you're barely holding on to where you step into the promise of God. I know things look bleak right now, sister. My brother, I know everything is coming against you, but I've come to tell you if you've got a nevertheless in you, if you've got a, it doesn't matter what the world says in you, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I want you to know everything is gonna start turning around. You've got to get a nevertheless in you. You've got to get a nevertheless in you. There's power in nevertheless. Stand with me this morning. There's power in nevertheless. Anybody can shout on Sunday, but what about tomorrow? 
it's easy to run and dance and jump and hoop and holler and shout hallelujah when you're in a church filled with people that are doing it with you. But tonight, when that temptation comes creeping out of the closet, do you have a nevertheless in you? Say, huh? Tempted on every side, but nevertheless. Troubled on every side, but nevertheless. It may be good right now. You may be strong in this moment right now, but what about tomorrow? You got a nevertheless in you? Nevertheless, I'll serve him. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what people do to me, nevertheless, I'm going to keep on serving God. I'm going to keep trusting in him. I'm going to keep believing in his word. Why don't you lift your hands with me right now before we open these altars. Just begin to lift your hands with me right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't take a gift of discernment. It doesn't, it doesn't take a word of knowledge. Amen. It doesn't take to know that this room is filled with people who are needing a nevertheless in their life right now. Who are needing to say it nevertheless. I'm going to trust in your plan. Nevertheless, I'm going to trust in your purpose. Amen. Maybe you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you haven't stepped into the waters of baptism that wash away your sins. Maybe you're still debating and you're still wondering, do I want to choose this life? If friends are going to turn on me and people are saying it doesn't take all that, I want to challenge you right now. It's the best nevertheless you're ever going to say. Nevertheless, what the world may think of me. Nevertheless, what friends may think of me. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to surrender to his word. Maybe God's given you a promise and spoke to you a word that you're clinging to and it's been years and you haven't seen it come to pass yet. You need to come this morning with a nevertheless. I'm going to hold on to that word. Nevertheless, I'm going to keep believing. It may look hopeless. Amen. That person you've been praying for for years. That family member you've been believing for for years to be saved. It may look like it's getting worse. Addictions are stacking up on top of addictions. But I've come to tell you if God said it, nevertheless, nevertheless, it may be a sickness in your body. It may be a relational situation that you have. But you don't see things changing. You've just been doing what you've always done. I've come to tell you this morning there's power in a nevertheless. There is power in your nevertheless. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Oh, I feel it rolling through this place right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. I'm about to open these altars. I want you to pray where you are for just a moment. The stage is being set. Somebody's about to come down here with a nevertheless that's going to change the world. That's it. In just a few moments, this altar is going to be filled with people 
that are going to say that prophetic nevertheless. They're going to say that nevertheless it's going to start changing things in their life. It's the power of nevertheless. You may have come in on empty. You may have come in with your faith running low. You may have come in with your trust having been shattered and broken. Amen. But God is here to strengthen you. He's just waiting on your nevertheless. He can't act beyond your nevertheless. you got to put your faith and your trust in Him. If there's somebody this morning that wants to give God a nevertheless, I want you to come meet me in this altar right now. Just step out from where you are and begin to move to this place right now. Saying nevertheless, I'm going to serve you in spite of the pain and the trials in spite of the trouble and the sickness nevertheless 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 come on that's it thanks again for joining us for this podcast it's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today we want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.